Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Hope everyone had a happy 4th of July. I know I did. We took a break last week from the podcast for the holiday. Um, Spent a lot of time on the beach last week. Hope you guys uh, were able to be out on the water or grilling out or just with family in general. And um, hope you guys enjoy that. We're back to our regularly scheduled programming for the rest of the summer as really it is now officially, it's football season in my book. I mean, you've got um, the holiday out of the way. You've got the month of June, which is recruiting filled out of the way. And, and it's the dead period as well. So we are in full-blown uh, football season preview mode. And that's kind of what we're going to touch on a little bit on the podcast today. Uh, as we are really also a week away from American Athletic Conference Media Days for football. Thanks for listening to the Pony Stampede podcast. I'm Billy Embody, publisher of PonyStampede.com. Check us out wherever you listen to podcasts at and leave us a rating, a review, and hit that subscribe button for us. PonyStampede.com is a part of the 24-7 Sports Network, bringing you guys the latest on SMU sports, recruiting, all that uh, at PonyStampede.com. Look, so what I want to get to today is a couple things. Over the weekend, uh, we thought, especially as it, it is still kind of that month of uh, what is really nothingness outside of our football position previews that begin today on Monday, if you're listening to this, um, and, and we've also uh, been kind of running down uh, just you know the important players. Uh, Phil started that series. He's counting down his top 25, and we continue on with the, the schedule previews as well, look at, taking a look at the... Um, opponents on SMU schedule. But one of the things that we released over the weekend was our entire staff got together and decided to go ahead and make our early game by game predictions. Really the summer is for the most part over. We know for the most part uh, what schools are getting what transfers. I mean any any kind of breaking news like that. We'll we'll figure out some of the waiver guys as we get closer to the season and that goes for all teams. But look, we wanted to go ahead and make our predictions as a staff. And then one thing that happened over the weekend as well is the ESPN football power index uh, debuted as well. And and so I'll give some thoughts on that and um, kind of compare it to some of our predictions. And then um, on the other, uh, on the back half of the podcast, uh, kind of touch on uh, just kind of some buzz I'm hearing on, on the hoops front and kind of, you know, maybe are we getting closer to seeing SMU's uh, roster take shape for the 2019-2020 season. So uh, look, our, and, and you can check out our game by game predictions on ponystampede.com, um, free article. You can go down and, and check it out. Um, we all made our predictions, Phil, Hats, uh, Matt, Tommy, and I, um, and, and we all kind of, I think, you know, range from, range from six wins for, for SMU all the way to nine, um, or, or range from seven wins to, to nine. And I think, look, like, with that, I think that is probably right in the sweet spot of a realistic expectation. And eight wins is probably um, what, you know, I don't think that's what Vegas necessarily has SMU at. But I do think that if you're an SMU fan and you're following this team and you're looking for at least a minimum expectation, I think eight wins should be your expectation. Um, and don't be surprised if it's more. And I do think that this is, and my my predictions especially reflected this, that this is a team 
that is on the rise, um, trending up, uh, rather than, you know, still in limbo and, and all of those things. Because look, if you look at the 2018 schedule and, and how it played out for SMU, I think uh, a couple things. You're not, I don't think you're going to sit here and expect SMU to come out against Arkansas State and lay an egg like they did against North Texas last year. Um, and as good as North Texas was, especially earlier in the year, I, I don't think that's something that you expect. Um, SMU is not favored uh, in the season opener against Arkansas State. I think that's somewhat reasonable. I also don't think that's giving enough credit to the fact that SMU is an improved team. Uh, they really only have to replace Braden West if you really... I think I think Chad personally was a big loss. He was one of the most dominant uh, pass protectors in the American Athletic Conference, according to Pro Football Focus. So there are some question marks on the offensive line for sure. But I, I do think overall, when you add Shane Bouchelle, who's played as much football as he has... Um, when you when you add in the fact that you think Reggie Roberson and, and C.J. Standers are going to be healthy alongside James Prochet, there's a lot of buzz around uh, Kyle, Kylan Granson and Ryan Becker at tight end, and you return a 1,000-yard back in, in Xavier Jones, one that's done it before. So if he can stay healthy, that'd be big. And then Cayman Freeman, he's back as well. And then one of the freshman running backs you hope can emerge to give you a three-headed attack. You look over at the defensive side of the ball, Defensive line is as deep as probably it's been, I mean, in terms of true depth, it, at least the last decade, um, easily. And at linebacker, you return uh, the likes of Richard Moore and, um, you know, Patrick Nelson, who played there as well, and, and some guys who have played some serious snaps, uh, you know, for you as a football player. Secondary, of course, is a question mark. If you can get the transfers, Chevin Calloway and Cameron Jones eligible right away, that would be big. Um, but in terms of, you know, that position, you hope it's healthy. It hasn't really been over the last year. Um, and even in the spring, it wasn't healthy. But Trevor Denbo, pretty good football player. Rodney Clemens returns at safety. Those are two guys that you can kind of lean on, I think, a little bit back there. And then we'll kind of see where the chips fall. But this team last year in 2018 was a quarterback away, and I really do believe this. They were a, a difference maker at quarterback away from winning the AAC West. They played Memphis about as tough as you can play them. They just didn't get any help scoring um, to win that game. 18 points, 28-18. Um, and then the Tulsa game, you lose by three. I think that's a product of losing the week prior uh, to Memphis in, in your hopes and dreams of an AAC uh West Championship going going out the window. We saw in the non-conference how SMU can come together and, and play very tough. You saw that against Michigan. TCU for a half, they kind of ran out of gas. And then you saw them hit stride and win it, win against Navy and, and win against a tough Tulane team that made a bowl, beat Houston, lose to Cincinnati in overtime. So look, this is a team that I really do think without having a Cincinnati on the schedule um, without having UCF on the schedule, it bodes well for them. So uh, I went with nine wins um, and winning the AAC West. It did not take, I think the um, the champion in the AAC West last year was five and four. Um, so if you look at that, that's a pretty impressive bar to reach. Um, 
But I, but I do think when the, when you look at the schedule, it sets up. I don't think there's many games that you're sitting here saying, well, why? Like that, that, that is a surefire loss, right? And so now I'm going to transition to the ESPN FBI and how they saw the, pl- the schedule playing out. Arkansas State, they gave SMU a 45% chance of winning that. That lines up with SMU being a three-point underdog, according to Westgate and a lot of the major sports books in Las Vegas. There are some other sites out there that you can get. You know, you can see SMU as a, a touchdown dog, which is aggressive, I think. But really, uh, SMU not favored against Arkansas State, according to the FPI. I think that's a little overblown. They're going through a quarterback change. It's another um, just situation where, yes, Arkansas State has traditionally been pretty good. But um, I, I just think that whenever whenever you're making a change at quarterback, and it goes for SMU too, you're, you're, a lot of things up in, are up in the air. But I like SMU's quarterback a lot. Um, and, and I think Shane Bouchelle will be settled in well enough to get a win at Arkansas State. And a difficult difficult game. You go to Jonesboro, um, they're used to winning at Arkansas State. So this will be a really good test of how SMU's culture change under Sonny Dykes and Kaz Kazadi uh, has gone. Um, can they you know, really lock in and, and go take care of business in Jonesboro? I've got them with a win. The FBI has them with a loss. North Texas at SMU. September 7th, FPI gives SMU an almost 60% chance of winning that game. I mean, that goes back to what I, I kind of said in my win column. I said, look, this series traditionally has gone SMU's way. I think at last year is more of an anomaly rather than what could become the norm. North Texas returns Mason Fine, who's going to be very good. He'll put up numbers. Um, but overall, I just I think it'll... I think it'll be one of those situations where SMU takes care of business more than more than North Texas. I've got SMU at home. Texas State, bad football team. Um, they're going through a coaching change. Jake Spavital is just getting in there. SMU with an almost 80% chance to win that game. Their overall FPI rank is 109th. So that should be one where if you're an SMU fan looking at it statistically by the computers, you should feel pretty confident. FBI gives SMU a 14% chance to win against TCU. Um, I think SMU can keep this one close. Um, and this is kind of like me going out on a limb, I think. Uh, I think SMU keeps this one close. Uh, Gary Patterson has done a really good job traditionally after a down year of coming back and having a strong one. Um, so I like SMU to lose to TCU. Not really surprised, but I think they can keep it close. That's kind of me going out on a limb. I just look at TCU. They're very talented defensively. Um, can SMU keep up for four quarters to make it close? That's kind of the big question mark. We saw that last year as well. Again, I think quarterback play and taking care of the football um, will be huge. And we kind of saw that last year uh, take a turn there. Um, at South Florida, a 31% chance of winning the game. South Florida has a lot of talent on offense coming back. They've got a new offensive coordinator um, that has had success at the FCS level. Very balanced attack. Um, they're kind of a wild card for me because I don't think when you look at these computers, you can't account for how I think a program is trending or how a culture is taking uh, hold and things like that. But USF lost six straight games to end the regular season. They had some injuries, but I mean, that was, that's not, that that's just not something you can do at this level um, and be, you know, feeling pretty good about yourself. So I've got SMU being able to go to South Florida and win that game. 
again, kind of a stretch, I think. But I don't, I don't think necessarily in that case. I mean, in the end, South Florida, average football team last year, especially at the end, they started hot um, and they just didn't get it done. Their defense is kind of in shambles as well. So uh, I think SMU can win a shootout situation there um, in, in Tampa. Versus Tulsa, SMU with a 64% chance to win the game. Again, I, I think last year's game was went Tulsa's way more so than you know more so about SMU losing the week prior than anything else. So I think SMU takes care of business uh, against Tulsa at home. Temple, this is one where SMU is favored by the FPI, but I've got them losing uh, to Temple uh, at home and kind of a, a tough tough deal. Um, I, I just think there's a ton of athletes in Temple. They're they're very well coached. Um, and unless there's a total drop off under their new head coach, I, I just think Temple can come down to to Dallas and take care of business. Um, SMU Houston, this is one that SMU hasn't won in Houston in a long, long time. I think they finally get over the hump. I think there's some things that Dana Holgerson's going to have to work out. Derek King is not a fit for his system, and I think that could rear its ugly head for a little bit of that that year. SMU with a forty percent chance to win, according to the FBI. FPI, but I've got SMU going into Houston and, and winning. Um, now, on to Memphis. I, I think this is another tough one, um, of course, because again, last year, SMU ne- you know, wasn't necessarily um, you know, able to um, you know, uh, just get score enough points and, and against a bad Memphis defense. So, um, while Memphis lost one of the best running backs in the country and Daryl Henderson, um, an All-American, I think Brady White is able to um, catch SMU snoozing off of the, the win over Houston and, and they get by 27-20. Um, and the FPI has SMU at a 22% chance of winning that game, which, again, some of these numbers kind of astound me when you look at how the year prior went and then attrition and additions and all of that, all of that stuff. Um I mean, 22% is really, really low. Uh, but anyway, I, I've got SMU losing that one. Um, but I think I think it could be closer than the FPI makes it seem. East Carolina, a program in transition, new head coach. Um, SMU with a 77% chance to win that game on the FPI. I agree. It's at home. I got, I've got SMU big. SMU at Navy the next week, 69%. Nice. Uh, chance of winning that game. Navy's FPI, 116. That's worse than East Carolina. That's worse than Texas State. I've got SMU winning this one again um, and a strong close of the regular season for SMU here. Uh, FPI, 61% chance for SMU to beat Tulane. I feel the same. I think they close out with three straight wins and end up in the AAC title game with the 6-2 and two mark in conference play. Um and and I'll kind of put a wrap on this after this quick break, uh, but I, I do feel like this team is just on the rise, and um, that's kind of where, why I went with with nine and three overall, six and two in conference play. We'll be right back to put a wrap on that right after this, and uh, talk a little bit about hoops. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, To kind of close out some thoughts um, on SMU's schedule as the FPI came out on uh, over the weekend. uh, And we came out with some game by game predictions as well. Um, I think a couple things. SMU's uh, potential, um, or should I say ceiling this year, I think depends on getting, I, I think, one or two of the secondary transfers eligible right away. The big one would be Chevin Calloway. Um, I think he's got the better case. I think new coaching change didn't work out uh, for him at Arkansas, and um, I think he's got a better case. Cameron Jones had some great issues at Nebraska. I think part of that he can, you know, convey, and 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 I think it it's true that part of it was, you know, his situation with the coaching staff and him not fitting in uh, up there, and and so sometimes your grades just really suffer. So that's I I think one or two of those getting eligible would be huge for SMU. I do think the experience on the offensive line plays a big role. Um, when you look at what they've got coming back, uh, you've got guys uh, like like Nick Dennis, who's played a good bit of football for you. Bo Moore's played a good bit of football for you. Um, Kadarius Smith has been around a while. And then you've got guys like Alana Lee, Jalen Thomas, who are returning, and Hayden, Ta- Hayden Howerton as well in the, in the middle, who's played a ton of football. So veteran offensive lines really bode well for teams, and I think when you pair that with um, the guys that they've got around them, I think the offensive line is going to be better than people think. I do like the addition of AJ Ricker um, and what he's uh, what his mindset is when it comes to the offensive line, and I, and I think that's part of the reason why Sonny Dykes hired him was just that attitude, that nasty. They've got to have it. It's a big emphasis for Sonny Dykes is being physical. Um, and I think it's something he's learned from his past coaching stops where you can't just throw it around, you know, 80 times, 80 times a game or whatever. Um, you've got to be able to run the football. You've got to establish a tone. And he's talked about that with the offensive line, the, the offensive line establishing um, the tone and establishing um, the mindset really of your football team. So um, I, I think with the addition of Kobe Bryant, junior college offensive tackle, he could play a good role. He might slide inside. We've seen them tinker with the offensive line throughout the spring and summer. 
And so um, I, I just like where they're at with that offensive line. I think they're an athletic bunch uh, for the most part. Um, you've got some size with Nick Dennis in there. You've got Kobe Bryant, who's listed at 6'5", 220. I mean, this is a this is a physical group, especially on the interior. I like their athleticism on the edge. I think the offensive line is going to be a little bit better than people think. So getting one or two of the secondary guys eligible, I think special teams are going to be improved. Um, they've, they've spent a lot of time, a lot of time focusing on that. Um, they're also deeper. And I think that's something that you can't understate is that they're, they're deep enough and have tons of upperclassmen who will be on special teams. So, um, again, I think SMU's in, in fairly better position than, than the computers sometimes give them credit for. And I think at certain, on certain teams, uh, they're in this conference, they're a little worse off than people might think. I mean, I think Memphis is going to be an interesting situation because um, it's now, you know, it's now the Justin Fuente era is gone. It's it's the Mike Norvell team, and, and he's never built a program. He's just taken one. How is it going to look as his guys start to get in there? Um It'll be interesting to see it kind of some of these teams that have been riding highs and, and waves of, you know, past uh, coaches start to see their own coaching staffs take over. That that even goes for Temple in year one, too. So I think there's a lot of change in this conference. I think it's completely wide open. We really saw that last year. Um, I mean, three teams were atop the AAC West. And, of course, we saw a tiebreaker go to Memphis. But um, – yeah, I, I just think it's wide open. I think SMU's got a veteran bunch. Defensive and offensive lines, I do think, are going to be... Well, the offensive line is going to be better than people think, in my mind. The defensive line is is very, very deep. I mean, they've got a lot of talent on that defensive line, especially in the middle. That should help run defense, force teams to be one-dimensional to beat them. So, look, um, that's all I've got, really, on the FPI and some predictions and, and early uh, thoughts on the season. I just wanted to get those out there because I, I think all that timed up really well with the FPI coming out and our predictions coming out. Uh, I want to move on to basketball now. Um, I think this is this week you could see some movement and don't hold me to this, but I think you could see some movement with at least one player enter the transfer portal um, and, and we'll kind of see how that resets things um, with the basketball roster. Right now, the roster is at uh, 15 players. So it's something where they do need to start to make some decisions relatively soon. It is July. The summer session is underway. Um, and, and so I think all eyes are going to be, and I don't think the Bryce Cook thing, you know, whether he plays or not, will be um, finished anytime soon. Um, but I do think we'll start to see some some movement on the roster this week. Uh, that's just kind of what I'm picking up from various people. Um this is the natural time for this to happen. Uh, get into the portal, see what your options are, and then make that decision and go somewhere else in time for August, September when school starts. So there will be a second wave of, of basketball transfers overall. Um, and so it wouldn't shock me at all if this was a time where you saw one player who after you know the month of June figures out their next move. So we'll see who that is. I'm not going to speculate or whatever, but but I could see that being... Uh, the case here um, for SMU, but we'll just have to see um, and um, and follow it. But um, the live period for 
basketball starting up uh, this week as well. Uh, coaches will be out on the road at Peach Jam and, and getting out there to see some of these um, players. Um, I'm going to be out at the end of the month. I'm going to be on a two-week spree in California and Las Vegas to see some of these players. Um, it won't be when it's necessarily live, but I wanted to get to the kind of the epicenter of college basketball over the next couple um over the last part of July to kind of see who the targets are, see where things stand, um, and go see where where SMU stands for a lot of these players once the live periods are over. Um, the the thing is, is I don't necessarily think there are going to be many prospects after the live period this weekend going to some of those camps. So I think I'll get a good look and a good feel for for some of the prospects out there. Um, and where SMU stands for them. So with that, guys, I'm going to wrap up this edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. We'll take your questions later this week. I'm also working on a special guest for the Thursday podcast as well uh, to get him on. Uh, would be a, be a pretty big land for us, so hopefully that hopefully that happens. Um, supposed to talk Wednesday. And um, keep it locked on Pony Stampede. Position previews start for the 2019 season today. Uh Phil's going to take a look at quarterbacks, and then um, we've got a lot more coming uh, on PonyStampede.com. I'm going to reset each position uh, in the 2020 recruiting class and kind of look at where the roster is um, as well at those positions um, in terms of recruiting needs. So we've got a lot coming for you on Pony Stampede. Take a minute, subscribe to the Pony Stampede podcast, and subscribe to PonyStampede.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Thanks for listening, and have a great week, everyone.